Hi, I'm Shelly. I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. This week, we are going to continue our dive into the rebel model with the B. Balance the attack. Cam, I love this one, and I cannot wait to dive into it more. And before we hit record, Cam said that this one can kind of seem like the boring one to start with. And I do see that often in myself and in my clients. You know, when we really get on something, it's hard to want to balance the attack. When we get on the arc hamster wheel, when we're running on adrenaline, we are absolutely not balancing our attack. So Cam, what's important about balancing the attack? Why is this one right in the middle of this model? Okay, so I'm just going to say it's balanced attack. And the only reason is I'm not going to be able to keep saying balance the attack through the call because in my head, it's balanced attack. So semantics aside, that's that. And yeah, I think people look at it as the boring one. Also, I've decided to change Rebel, Shelly. Uh-oh. Yeah. Ready for this? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Am I ready? It's not Rebel. It's Lairbay. <laughs> Lairbay, people. Lairbay. Let it roll off the tongue a couple times. Why is it Lairbay? Well, because as I look at it, where we started was limit scope. And then expand the mind. Then remember to remind the brain. Now we're at balanced attack and we finish up with the exposure one, exposure to time and experiences. I joke. I would never change Rebel. It's just awesome, right? It makes sense. But I think the B is in the middle for a reason of Rebel. It kind of holds it all together. And I think the beautiful thing of Rebel is how these all kind of mix together. So yeah, we tend to favor a way to get things done. Going back to episode four and the ARC episode or adrenaline response cycle. That's the hamster wheel we like to run on. That's the pony that's in our stall. We tend to have one pony to ride and we don't have another one. And why do we ride that one? It's exhilarating. It's fun. But it's based really primarily on one motivation, and that is urgency. So when we look at balanced attack, it's really balancing what you already bring to the table and complementary Skills and resources. This is important. It's not just skill sets and it's not just these things that are not fun, not exciting, but really complement what you bring to the table. So it's skills, but it's also resources and people and tools. So I want to go back to last week with your mantra. Remember to remind the brain and your lovely mantra there of start clean, let it be easy. And then what I really liked was, Let the easy stay easy. Did I get those right? Yes, you did. Yeah. Those mantras are complementary. They're not the things that you necessarily want to do or feel compelled to do as you roll out of bed. But it's a mantra to recognize, you know, when this happens, when I do these things, it sets me up for my strength areas that I'm kind of dealing with, setting the tone for the day not overthinking stuff or overcomplicating stuff with let it be easy. And then the whole system around what's about to get hard, letting your current moment inform what's next. 
It's not this long list of things you have to do. It's really this question to inform going forward. But you're realizing through your own experience of these are the things that are very helpful that allow me to really be successful. And they're complementary. They're not necessarily something we desire to do. Oh, oh, I'm so excited to go clean the dishes. But you know that when that is taken care of, then you can focus on these areas where the really interesting stuff is. Yeah, Cam, it's about bandwidth for me. When I let the counters fill with dishes, when it looks like a task that I have to set aside significant time for, when there's more than two loads of laundry sitting waiting to be done, it's not just about the time the task will take. It's about the weight of the task while it's not done because it becomes this cloud hanging over my head. It becomes something that I can't let go of, something that's nagging at me or bothering me. Whereas if I let those things stay easy, it's like they happen with very little input from me. It doesn't take nearly as much activation energy or motivation to bridge that gap from intention to action. It doesn't take that much time. When I'm just talking about one load of laundry, it might take me all day to get the load from washer to dryer to folded to put away between the other things I'm doing that day. But those discrete tasks are almost like a non-event. It's just not a big deal. And so there's a real executive function savings there, both in not ruminating on it in its state of undoneness and also not having to expend a lot of activation energy. It just kind of happens. And those little increments of 5, 10, 15 minutes don't feel impactful. Don't put me in that place where I feel as though I don't have the time or I'm not going to have the energy or bandwidth for the other things that matter because of the weight of this task. They just happen. So I really like that. And you've been doing it long enough now that you, again, swimming in this lane, developing competence and confidence here, that it has become this non-event. I really like that because I think what we do is we kind of create events around these things of like, ah, the dishes or the laundry. And it's not just the pile of laundry. It's that overwhelm of what to approach, how to approach, when to approach, not having that plan. And so you being successful with it, two things come to mind is, and this is about habit development, is that you're successful. You can do it and you know you can do it, number one. Number two, and I think this is most important, is you see the value in it. And that's motivating. And I think that's another thing that people do is, again, we build up this kind of it's going to be an event or I got to have this like huge amount of energy to activate and get into it. And we also are looking for motivation and voting by interest. Listeners, if you kind of just notice going through the day, like, do I feel like doing this? Is this interesting? These are not things that you're really interested in doing. You know that if you do it, it sets you up for more interesting things that you get to dive into with creativity and curiosity, the areas you want to really play in, explore and innovate. But 
this idea of, I think we kind of wait for inspiration. I remember my first foray, this is not my first podcast, Shelly. I did a podcast of six episodes, maybe, and maybe three went out into the world. I don't know where they, they're not anywhere. <laughs> but I remember I had this sort of, my, one of them was the beginning of the day, the middle of the day, the end of the day. And the beginning of the day was waiting for inspiration. Like we will kind of wait for inspiration to get going, thinking that we're kind of looking for motivation. And what we're doing is we're just waiting for that damn arc pony to come out of that stall. Yeah. And so allowing motivation to be kind of in the process and as the payoff of what this gets you. This takes some time. And it also back to expand the mind of Rebel, the first E, is letting go of outcome, dialing back expectations, and really getting into a practice mindset to practice it and suspend evaluation, suspend that harsh inner critic that can be so challenging and defeating. So I love that. And I love where you went with bandwidth and kind of energy conservation, because for me, it's the same thing. The whole thing uh, coming up with the arc is that of living arc. I've lived arc. I've pleaded with that pony, you know, like, come on, baby, come on, baby, come on, come on out of that stall. I need you, need you. And she won't come out. And so it's that living in the crash and recovery and noticing that when I ride that pony, it's great, it's exhilarating. But then the two days that I'm offline, afterward, the recovery. I can't afford that. I can't afford to be taken offline. So back to bandwidth. And so the complementary or balanced attack approach here for me that made a big difference was to address the now, not now time phenomenon. And it's just like, I didn't need to become like this bean counter neurotypical in the sense of having a plan and doing everything you know, in a systematic, linear manner, it was, I needed another pony. Let's just say it's a little Shetland, not the racehorse, but a little Shetland I can climb on and just reconnaissance. So it's like, let's just go and, and look at the next week and spend about 15 minutes with these things that I know that are coming up. This podcast, I teach three classes, soon to be four classes, going ahead and looking at that content with seven days out three days out versus one hour out. I can think about it and it complements my big brain. I can kind of look at it, think about what I want to do, line up resources. Oh, you know what? This one, this topic, I know a resource I can pull right in and bring them in as a guest lecturer because that's not my area, but I know someone who is. So identifying those resources, it's not like this big thing that I do. It's just, what's on my time horizon? What is it I need to adjust for? And it really helps with time estimation, planning, and again, letting it be easy. Just a little reconnaissance, check it out, make a little plan. And then that has allowed me to still keep that other horse and ride that, but I've got more of a global view. And it goes along with my style of my brain, that big thinking brain. Listeners, I want you to notice in both what works for me and what works for Cam that this is not about changing or tricking your interest-based attention system. By letting the easy things stay easy, it's not that I'm suddenly so enamored 
with doing my dishes or my laundry. No? No. But it's that duality of it becoming almost a non-event, meaning it's it's a blip. It's not something I have to muster activation for, even though I'm not interested in it. And knowing the benefits, knowing what happens if I say today, oh, I'll leave that for tomorrow, how much harder tomorrow is going to be, how much more it's going to tax my bandwidth and my executive function, and how much it's going to take me away from the things that I do find interesting. So it's in that payoff that makes the ritual of it so easy, that makes it feel like a non-event, because I know what it feels like when it feels like an event, and that feels terrible. I know what it does to my productivity and my ability to turn my attention towards the things that matter. It's not good. And so that knowing is what makes me get up every morning. And the very first thing I do is I throw the pillows off the bed so that I can make my bed. And by the way, this does not mean you have to make your bed. Some people are not bed makers, but this is a thing that works for me. It sets the tone for that room. It helps me hang my jacket on my coat rack in my bedroom instead of tossing it on the unmade bed. It helps me put away the folded laundry instead of setting it in piles on the unmade bed. So that's why I make my bed. But you do not have to make your bed if that is not a supportive practice for you. You know, this is a lunch counter illustration here, is that you're finding a dial, the ability to dial back the energy output. And I think that above the lunch counter at causation, we have this device So children, gather around before your smartphone and before your Alexa and before your Sonos, your smart speaker, there was something called an amplifier. (laughs) So this amplifier, we were cool with our amplifiers. We had amplifiers and you plug all your peripherals into your amplifier. So your amplifier had usually like you could get radio stations and you could plug in your CD player. You plug in your turntable, your tape deck, and it would come in and you have certain switches. And there was a big knob on that amplifier. The ability to turn up the volume, amplitude, the ability to turn it back down. And above the lunch counter, I think we have these kind of amplifiers. Guess what? Just like we have with limit scope, we have the stairwell that's missing those landings. Our amplifiers don't have volume control knobs, at least when we come and try to find it. And so Shelly, you're reminding me of a client a couple of years ago who she just thought everything needed 125% effort, everything. She was a school teacher. And so not just her lesson plans, but just this stupid administrative stuff. She would have to kind of conjure energy. So I love this idea of really thinking about how can I make it a non-event and just bringing back, finding that dial and pulling it back down. So that's black and white thinking that's going on there. What are the things in your day that you can do with less output? Cam, in addition to that question of what are the things that you can do in your day with less output? This is also a great place to bring in resources. 
what are the things that you can choose not to do at all? My former business partner is my current bookkeeper. And in addition to bookkeeping, she is someone who I can assign tasks to. And in the spirit of let it be easy, we have an amount per month. If it doesn't exceed this amount per month for you to do this work, just do it. Pay yourself for it since you're the bookkeeper. I trust you to do good work here. And I know what types of things she is good at. So when my tax organizer came in this year, I'm newly divorced, remember? I did. I've never done the tax organizer. My (laughs) ex-husband did the tax organizer. And while we have a wonderful relationship, he has no interest in doing my tax organizer for me now. No. I mean, he painted a lot of my house, but he doesn't want to do the tax organizer because that's not his favorite task either. Fair enough. So when it came in, suddenly there's that dark cloud and that bandwidth suck of taxes that's going to be hanging there for the next three months. And in the past, that's something I would have let hang there. I would have let myself ruminate on. I would have let become all-consuming. Instead, what I did is I sent Jen a message. Hey, would you have any interest in filling out my tax organizer for me? Even if it means we have to get on the phone and you have to ask me some of the questions for the things you don't know, filling it out just feels impossible. And Cam, do you know what her response was? She got giddy, man. Like she got giddy. Ooh, I love filling out my tax organizer every year. You mean I can get paid to fill yours out too? <laughs> that's just that's just freaky <laughs> stuff right there. That's freaky. Oh so my God. talk about a win-win because when taxes do come up, just the other day, I was thinking about the fact that I hadn't yet gotten my K-1 which is kind of like a W-2 for a partnership because we were still partners halfway through last year. I hadn't gotten my K-1 yet for our partnership. And so I had that ooh feeling that we can have as ADHD people like, ooh, all of a sudden, I have no idea where this tax thing stands. And it all feels very big and overwhelming. And I'm afraid it's not going to get done. And again, instead of going down that rabbit hole, I send Jen a message. Hey, haven't gotten my K-1 yet. That's all I had to say. She called the accountant. She checked in on it. She gave me a status update. She let me know when her plans to start my tax organizer were. I don't have to let that be in my sphere of bandwidth consuming activities. She's got it. It's on her plate, not mine. Yeah. And can you put a value on that peace of mind, Shelly? I can't. My ADHD experience is when something big and awful like that, like taxes, is hanging out there. It becomes an energy drain that permeates everything. And at this moment in time, my taxes are not able to be moved forward. We need that K-1 before we can get taxes to the point where I can turn them into my accountant. And so in a previous life, even though I cognitively know that this project cannot move forward yet, that it is in a holding pattern, it would hang and I would ruminate, and I would worry that I'm going to miss something, that the other shoe is going to drop somewhere, that I'm going to make a massive mistake, that I'm not going to get my taxes in on time, that any number of negative outcomes are going to happen because I can't move this project forward now. I don't know when I'm going to be able to move it forward. And until I can move it forward, I don't know what it entails. And I know I'm not going to want to do it. 
And I'm worried that I'm not going to have the bandwidth to be able to do it with the other obligations I have on my plate and so on and so forth. Whereas now it's just not on my plate. And when it does come up, I can check in, I can get an answer and I can let it go. So I'm appreciating your lunch counter work here. And I think that folks are still confused about the lunch counter. And so I'm just going to find ways to sort of point it out when it's happening. And that's happened right there. So when we're down in the valley, when you're ruminating in that experience of overwhelm with taxes, it has you shutting down. And just the impact there in the valley at effect versus where you are now is recognizing linking back to causation. It's all it is. Mount Rainier is just about linking causation and effect. Where I am here, what can I link this back to and then anticipate? So you're recognizing the true impact of not dealing with the taxes proactively. It takes you offline and really impacts your bandwidth. And so now you have... Remember to remind the brain, protect the bandwidth above all. And how can I do that? Identifying resources. And as you start to go up, instead of going offline with that anxiety moment, it's a call to action. Oh, wait. Okay, K1, let me just reach out. That right there is a switch you can find, folks. That's a choice point. We talk about choice theory and getting to that informed choice place, that's possible here. I will say, as we finish up here, I think there might be people that are out there thinking, well, my rebel's telling me I got to do it all. That's a different rebel. That idea of the lone ranger or the self-reliance, it doesn't count if I don't do it myself. Or if I ask for help, that's somehow a sign of weakness. That is made up stuff. We've talked about this in Expand the Mind of how we make meaning. You're making meaning there around that. The most successful people are the ones who are resourceful, identifying resources and protecting their own assets. So starting to think about what are your assets? What are your strengths? To make a list of the things you enjoy doing, but get impeded, or it's like there's a wall to get there because you're Got all these things you got to do, like taxes and dishes, teach classes, prepare for teaching classes, and to kind of think about, okay, what are the things that I don't really enjoy, and can I either do it at a less energy output or offload, or just not do it? That's the other thing is that we have a should around, well, it's on my list. I put it on my list, so now I got to do it because I put it on my list. No, you put it on. You're the author you can take it off, to take it off the list. So rebel, I just was thinking about with rebel, it's not about that rebel right there is obstinate. Obstinate in the sense of an obstacle, stopping, inertia in the sense of arresting body or object. Throw back to physics. Our rebel is about, it is about defiance, but to defy the norms, the shoulds, and to be creative in that challenging moment. What can I do different here? How can I take care of this? The stuff that I got to do, I have to do, but to really get it out of the way so I can focus on the stuff that really matters. I think we have an episode on do what matters. 
Project X is all about pushing forward the thing that really matters. And often it's this thing that's sitting there and you can never make Project X happen by riding that urgency horse. So starting to kind of build out another stall of another complimentary horse or some saddles, little saddle shed for people like Jen, Caitlin, my bookkeeper, Amy Lynn, my accountant, Shelly. We've talked about how we compliment each other. I was just talking to someone before this, Shelly. It was like, you know, if Shelly's not on, we got to be careful because I'm never on. Like, I'm just going to go, you know, like I, if Shelly's not on, she's going to reel me in. I know that. So that's what we talked about when we first started. Like, this is my swim lane. I'll swim in this lane. Can you swim in that lane over there? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. And so it's like a four by four medley, you know, like it's the, uh, no, that's not it. It's not a four by four medley. It's the relay, right? You've got your four people and all working together. You can't do it with less than four in that situation. So trying to do like a relay race by yourself, you would never be successful in identifying people or strategies to put out less effort to come back to. I think this might be a future episode around protecting bandwidth. Yeah. I think that's what it's all about. Cam, before we wrap, I just have to throw in that when you talked about building the saddle stall, I got this ridiculous <laughs> image of putting a saddle on Jen and riding her around. <laughs> no, 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 no. She gets her own. She rides. You're not riding, Jen. No, no, no. She's not a horse. No, Jen, you're not a horse. You're not. No, no, no. It's a saddle for Jen. Ah. Her ah. horse. Okay. Metaphor. Yeah. No, we're not riding people. (laughs) That's no, the people are not the horses. I so appreciate that because yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. No, because then we get into weird stuff there. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's, it's saddles for your resources so they can ride. Whew. Boy, we dodged a bullet there, Shelly. Indeed. Glad I clarified that one. (laughs) (laughs) And on that ridiculous note. Ridiculous. If you like what we're doing here on the show, a couple of key ways that you can help us out. Number one is to please leave a review wherever you listen to the show. Reviews help other people find us and get this wonderful content that you all are benefiting from. Number two, tell a friend, tell a stranger, tweet it, put it on LinkedIn, whatever your social media platform is. Don't keep us a secret. Share us with the people in your circle who could benefit from this content. Number three is to financially support the show by becoming a patron. You can do that by visiting the website, translatingadhd.com. Click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. And for $5 a month, not only are you financially supporting the show, you are also admitted access to our Discord community where our listeners are working together to do their own understand, own, and translate work where Cam and I host a monthly live Q&A where you get to ask your questions of one of us each month. So until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.